here come the blue shirts. If you weren't awake to play in that kind of game, then you weren't made to play hockey in Madison Square Garden. He's got experience in the streets and in the alleys. <laughs> and in the alleys. He will whoop your ass. Yeah. I'm looking better now than I did before. Ron, it's there, all mate. your fault. It's over for all of you. Once I'm on the team. Well, you're going to have to let me dress you, though. <laughs> oh, 100%. You cannot, that, that's going to be Ron Duguay's third act. Molly off the air. Wow. <laughs> Molly off the air. It's a whole different person. Yeah. Up in the He'll blue be courtside and I'll be up in the blue seat. <laughs> Gives to Panarin, pass down low, they score! It was a perfect setup, and Ryan Strom back in the lineup after a four-game absence due to injury has tied the game. Fox recovers and gives to Panarin. They score! It took a redirect in front, Chris Kreider was there, and a power play goal for a 2-1 to Ranger lead. Braun shoots, he scored! It took a deflection in front. Get the lead to 3-1. The Rangers will take three out of four in the season series. Three to one is your final. Welcome back to Up in the Blue Seats, our New York Rangers podcast from the New York Post. That montage you heard, courtesy of MSG Plus and Steve Cangelosi as Justin Braun scores his first Rangers goal in a win over the Devils on Tuesday to snap the losing streak. Larry Brooks of the New York Post will join us, of course, in his weekly spot later in the show. We also chat with friend of the program, the co-founder of Staffleet's analytics guru, Megan Chaika. But first, let's welcome in our own queen to the post. That would be Molly Walker and her co-host, Rangers great number 10, Ron Well, hello, everyone. It's good to be back. And it's always fun when the Rangers are winning. There's a level of excitement with all of us talking about winning with the playoffs around the corner. So lots to talk about today. Larry Brooks will be with us, of course, and Megan will be with us talking analytics. And I do like analytics uh, because I was uh, spent a lot of time with uh, Steve Valiquette. So we talk analytics quite often. And there's a real benefit to that. Well, we'll get into it later with her. Before we get started, I do want to make a mention to a friend of mine, friend of the show. And if you're a hockey fan, if you're an Islander fan, even a Ranger fan, uh, you have to be thinking about Mike Bossy right now. Not long ago, we lost his uh, linemate, teammate, uh, Clark Gillies. And now Mike Bossy has been going through his struggles and uh, he's home now resting and the doctors, hospitals have done everything they can for him. So he's home. So our thoughts and prayers go to him and his family. But right now, I'm going to bring on Molly. Uh, Molly, I um, this week, Larry mentioned in his article today, started talking about Braden Schneider. And I've been kind of looking at this kid, and I've seen the skill in him. Very noticeable on the ice because of his, uh, his speed and how he plays the game. Young man, very composed. But last game, we saw something different in him that we hadn't seen, which is some physical play. And I, and I think that he's probably been playing within himself. We uh, eventually were going to see something different out of him. We saw it last game. Big hit followed with a fight. So now we're talking about him. And now I'm hearing things about him from his teammates, guys that are kind of japping at him, making fun of him. What is it that you're hearing and what are your thoughts on Brady? I mean, just to address the headlining thing that you're mentioning, I mean, the hit 
and that devil's game and the subsequent fight, which was ridiculous, but we'll get into that in a sec. The hit was textbook shoulder to chest, just knocked Boyquist on his behind in that first period. It was booming. It, it really, it woke me up, up in the press box. I can only imagine what it was like for everybody else on the bench, but it was a momentum shifter, 100%. And then the fact that Sharon Govich went after him right away. And, you know, there's, there was some discourse about if he was looking for a fight, if he wasn't looking for a fight, the manner with which he went after Schneider and threw his arms over the top of his head, the only logical response for Schneider would have been to defend himself. You couldn't tell if he was going to throw a punch or if he was just trying to restrain him and put his arms around him. So Schneider just lit him up. There's really no other way to describe how that fight went down. I mean, I don't know about you, but he just pummeled him. He drew blood. His first NHL fight. And we found out today from him, that was just his second fight of his entire hockey career. He had only fought one other time. And we're all sitting there cracking up. I said to Colin Stevenson, could have fooled me. I mean, he looked like he knew what he was doing. He really did. He held his own more than I think anybody expected him to. And it definitely sent waves onto the Rangers bench. And they talked about it after the game. Kreider talked about just momentum shifter and to see a young guy like that go out there and, and have that kind of effect on the game and hold his own in, in a fight like that. It, it definitely provided some, from spark. And of course the Rangers got a power play on the, on the play um, and they scored immediately. So uh, it was, it was a huge impact on the game, but we'll, we'll talk to Larry Brooks about this later in the show, but it's going to be really difficult to take Schneider out of the lineup when he's been playing the way that he has truly. So I'm very curious to see how that'll pan out, but it's been a lot of fun to watch him kind of unfold. Well, it was a, uh, it was something I was, uh, cause I had heard how he plays the game with a, with an edge physically, cause he's a big guy. He can do it. And it's part of the game. You're a defenseman. You have to take people out. And when you got a guy like Truba who leads the, ex- uh, uh, an example, as far as how uh, hitting plays a, vital part in the game because what happens it has players the opponents having to keep their head up but on edge but not only does it it creates a situation where when you hit a player the way he did other players will retaliate and guess what happened they retaliated puts the rangers on a power play they score a big goal and that played a big part in the game so my point is this every time you hit someone there's a good chance they're going to retaliate and take a bad penalty. So that's why hitting is so important to be able to do it. Having said that, what's it going to be like moving forward? Did he really enjoy what happened? Like a big hit, uh, fans like it. He's having a fight, but is he going to continue wanting to do this? Or is he going to back up a little bit thinking, oh my God, if, if I hit someone, now I got to get in a fight. Is he going to shy off or is he going to want to just keep doing it? Because as a coach, I can tell you, listen, I've seen you do it. I'm expecting it now, you know, at the right time, do it. And uh, so this could take him to another level if he decides to be another factor physically on the ice. No, absolutely. I I definitely think that he saw the way that that play impacted the game. And for a young, impressionable guy, I definitely don't think he's going to you know, not do that anymore. I definitely think he'll look at it and think, you know, I made an impact. I, we were asking to talk to him after the game the next morning, you know, clearly was a, was a headline generator, but he was telling us today, he, he likes to play hard. 
That's exactly the kind of style that he likes to play. Um, and it's why the Rangers traded up to draft him when they did 19th overall. That's the type of player that they always thought that they were getting. And, you know, for, for his age and being a rookie, that's not going to come out immediately, I don't think. But that hit just lined up for him. He wasn't even actively looking for it. We actually asked him today. He had, he had such a great response. We were talking about how he was scratched for those couple of games um, and just what was his mindset coming in to his first couple of games back. Was he looking to make an impact? Was he looking to have a wow kind of play? And he said not necessarily he was looking for that hit or, or a fight like that, but he was thinking to himself that he needs to do something. Go out there and do something. That's a verbatim what he said. And that's a great mentality to have as a young guy. And he was talking about how he obviously doesn't take it personally, especially when you've got two veteran guys that you're battling with for a position. It's going to happen where you're probably going to have to sit out a couple of games just out of even respect for, for the older guys. But he came into it thinking, do something, Brayden, do something. And he did something <laughs> that was more than something. I feel like we're going to be talking about this for you know, the rest of the season. It was, it was that great of a sequence for sure. Yeah, one of, the go- one of the things that coaches will say as you step on the ice, be noticeable, play the game, yeah. but be noticeable. Don't be regular. Don't just kind of go with the flow, be regular. Do something that's going to make you feel good about the game, something that can impact the game. Now, sometimes it's a simple thing as just blocking a shot, but get engaged, get involved in a game. And when he got that feeling of what it was like, the response, I'm really hoping that he's not going to shy away, that he's going to move forward, he's going to want to do more. Now, let's just change gears a little bit. Uh, we talk a lot about Igor Shosturkin, how uh, great he's been. Uh, he's had some struggles recently. Is it something that we should read into or – it's just part of the game. I mean, whether you're a skilled player, goal scorer, sometimes you go in a little bit of a slump, puck doesn't go in, but eventually it comes back. It's just Sturkin just kind of going through a little funny spot right now. And if he's going to go through it, do it now for the playoffs. Yeah, I think the only reason why this is even a topic of conversation is because how otherworldly he was at the beginning of the season. He looks like an above average goaltender now. And that is a glaring difference than being an actual brick wall like he was at the beginning of the season. And it's not sustainable. Gerard Gallant was talking about it today, too. It's just not so he's not going to be able to do that every single night. It's impossible. Nobody can do it. Not Henrik Lundqvist, not H- Carey Price, Mike Richter, none of the great goalies. No one could do it every single night. So the fact that these last couple games, Shesterkins looked a little bit more human than he has at the start is why it's so glaring. But I don't think it's anything to be worried about. And another thing that I think a lot of people don't take into consideration is this is his largest workload. I think of his entire career. He's never played this many games ever in a single season. And on top of traveling for the first time in an 82 game season, there's a lot of outside factors that I don't think people are taking into consideration that could play into why he hasn't been at the tippy tippy top of his game. And like you said, Ron, if it's going to happen, have it happen now. And that could be the reason he isn't playing as much as some fans would hope they want him in there every night, but you know, he needs nights off and he needs to be fresh for the playoffs. And uh, you talked about Braden Schneider's big hits. I still feel under my right titty hearts punched me in the uh, punched me pretty hard when the Rangers tied the game when we were there on Sunday. 
when there's second goal in 12 seconds and I still feel the pain. I think I have a bruise there, so I was not cut out for hockey. Uh, but we got to close with this before Megan Chica joins us here. And that's this. Now, some people just go on Twitter for attention. We know, but there are oh, no. some people who say some <laughs> terrible things to women on Twitter. And Gary Sanchez, 54, said to your tweet, Molly, Chris Crotter says the team calls Braden Schneider, baby Truba. Ava NHL said, Molly, my heart cannot take it. And he felt the need to say, why are women the worst? This isn't a Netflix <laughs> series or shopping at Marshall's, which is one of my favorite stores to get clothes, by the way. So I would argue that is more a men's thing to go to Marshall's than a woman. I mean, the, the, I would think they're better than us men getting our cheap uh, socks and boxers at Marshall's. Uh, these are men putting their lives on the line every week for the entire city. That was the kicker. He put the <laughs> two shirts were firemen now. He thought they were yeah. policemen. Not- are we talking to NYPD or, or what are we talking? We're talking about hockey players. RD, the New York Ranger defenders. These are men and there isn't anything cute about it. I understand you have hot pants for it, but come on, just stop. Now, this guy seems like a parody account, but can people just choose to shut the hell up? There is no need for this if you're a parody or real. And apparently he's tweeted stuff like this to that girl and you and others. Close your account. Just think before you tweet, even if you're a parody, be nicer and shut up. Let girls enjoy hockey. Let them enjoy sports. Just like a man, if they found a woman attractive in the WNBA or, you know, the Olympics, let them say whatever they want. Who cares? They're enjoying the sport just like we are. We're all the same. We love sports. Who cares if they think he's got a big butt or nice ass? I don't care. Let them live and shut your freaking mouth. That's the end of that. Amen. Think before you tweet. It's going to be the new headline of this of this show. The New York Ranger defenders. That's the headline. Putting their lives on the line every week. When Andrew hit you, was it a, a, a punch or was it a slap? Hearts. I, th- <laughs> I, I think it was. He punched me right below my right nipple and I still feel it three days later. So it was a punch of excitement. Just oh. just just want to go on the record. Okay. Just because no one saw the Rangers coming back down three nothing in the third there, so I, I I got a little ahead of myself. I'm sorry, Jake, if you're still feeling the uh, the effects of that. <laughs> I haven't got hit that hard since I like cursed in seventh grade. I, oh my goodness, that is unbelievable. I'm just kidding. My parents did not hit me, but uh, my dad hit me in the leg with a shoe once. That kind of hurt, but. That was the worst painful experience ever. So I am now on the injured list. All right. We're joined with another queen of the hockey world. That's Megan Chica next on Up in the Blue Seats. You know what they say? Third time's the charm. Our special guest this week is the queen of analytics. If I'm the queen of the post, she is the queen of analytics, the co-founder of Stathletes and one of the leading voices in the hockey analytics game. Please welcome Megan Chaika. Megan, welcome back to the show. How are you? Thank you for having me. I'm great. I mean, I can't believe we're almost talking about like playoffs and the end of the season already, but this season flew by. Does your like everyday day-to-day schedule change when it comes to the playoffs or is it more work, less work? Just how, how does that happen for you? Yeah, it's just a different flow. I mean, some other leagues are wrapping up. So even right now, uh, we actually did the PHF. I'm big on supporting women's hockey. Uh, that was Ooh. one league I want to take on this year. So I even went down to Tampa Saw their whole tournament. Their actually final game was on ESPN2, so linear broadcast, which is awesome for them. 
Uh, and it was really great and exciting and Boston won again. So not a huge fan of Boston and Toronto, I don't think, but yeah, <laughs> but it was a great game too. So just like doing those sort of wrap ups up until the NHL. And then once the NHL gets rolling, I think series are fun, right? It's interesting to watch teams play back to back and match up and have a bit of more tactics than just like the regular season. And I think everyone says, you know, playoff hockey is a different beast altogether, so I think just the intensity of the NHL playoffs is something that's unmatched in all sports. Right. I couldn't agree more. When I found out that you were coming on the show, I was I was really excited because I feel like the Rangers have been this sort of analytic phenom this season, just <laughs> given how much success they've had, but also how big of a part Igor Shosturkin has played in it and a guy like Chris Kreider having a career year. There's just so many moving factors of why the Rangers have been as good as they have been this season. But I'm curious, what's the craziest or most telling stat that you have on the Rangers? <laughs> That's a tough one. I think just overall as a team, I'd say that going into the trade deadline, the opponents of the Rangers were getting above their typical scoring chances per game. So they were getting more chances against the Rangers. And obviously that's part of the goaltending story. But after the deadline, it seems like the Rangers are tightening up. Like there's a bit more of a defensive responsibility bend. It could be the coaching, right? We know uh, the coaching there too, like defense. And then also some of the trades at trade deadline. I think that could have changed a bit of the fabric in terms of going into this playoff sprint. But I think obviously goalies are a huge story you know, so save percentage uh, up in the, those close areas, especially in the inner slot. Uh, you know, you don't get a better goalie than you have on the Rangers. And the same with goals saved off the rush. So th those chances that are, you know, probable to go in or have a good high percentage scoring chance, he's stopping both this season and last season. So no big surprise that, you know, it's just an all-star cast in terms of goalies. And then obviously Chris Kreider too, huge story, uh, you know, tearing it up. And I think the one interesting thing about Kreider, and I always get asked when we do any sort of media stuff on him, is how close he is getting to the net when he's taking shot attempts and scoring goals. And it's very easy to say, hey, to a player, get closer to the net, you can score. But it's a skill, right? The NHL has very strong, fast, defensive-minded people in the league that aren't going to let you just sit in front of the net. So he is smart, physical, and great at not only getting in front of the net, but getting high quality scoring chances there. I find that part about the trade deadline after the, the change in, in the scoring chances against, and you could file that under another win for Chris Jury in the trade deadline <laughs> column. So because of uh, teams taking advantage of the analytics, are you seeing a, a different trend that's happening in the NHL the last couple of years because they're using analytics? I think the one interesting trend is how much scoring has gone up. And I know I hear a lot. I've seen even the last couple of weeks, a lot of articles on that and why. And I think, you know, everyone wants to score. They want to create this like linear fast hockey where they're making these high quality shot attempts and having the best chance of scoring. We also see amazing goalies now um, in the league too. So being able to stop those, you know, make those amazing stops or prevent rebounds. Um, and the like. But I think when you're seeing those high scoring games too, that could be something to do with analytics, learning uh, from the data, how to create these chances and also how to bury them as well. And who are the best people to do that? I know we even saw 
I think it was the last night or the night before of the Florida Toronto game. It looked like it was on fire there for a while with scoring. <laughs> so seeing some of those barn burners for sure with the top end teams, a lot of talent, but then also like learning how to get in those positions and, you know, whether it's cross ice passes, odd man rushes, uh, just seeing more and more of those and using analytics, even on three on threes, right? You see them cycle the puck and come out and they attack with speed instead of just stay in the offensive zone and, you know, pass it around the outside. So I think you're seeing the game get a lot smarter and faster from that perspective. And I just see more of an acceleration of that as player development gets smarter, players get better and more skilled and just how they play the game becomes a little more sophisticated. Okay. So I have a question for you, not for me, my friend, Sarah, uh, she's uh, very big into wanting, helping women and supporting women. So she had asked me, who's your guest today? And I said, well, Megan, well, who's Megan? Well, she's into analytics. <laughs> and, and then she said, well, uh, what does that mean? So I described it. And the first question, she didn't ask about hockey. She says, can that help you if that's, if you're gambling? <laughs> <laughs> that was going to be my question. Was it the gambling world of this? <laughs> yes. Yes. Actually, it's interesting. So I'm on a board and I shout out to this company, U.S. Integrity. They have a lot of people on their board that are, you know, 30, 40 years into casinos. They're mainly from Las Vegas, but they wanted a woman on their board as well. So they reached out to me. Basically, what they do is they try to, you know, have the integrity side of the sports book world. So if there's any anomalies or things that are going on in sports books, they help to identify that and work with leagues and sports books to figure out what's going on. Um, so I'm on that board and like actively, obviously, the, the sports betting, sports book, all of that world depends on data. So like you're saying, you need accurate data for leagues, right? Because if you are betting, there's a certain amount of shots. It should be right. And same within like the NFL, the NBA, um, we see as the state to state. And actually, it just went live in Ontario this week, sports betting. So a very big week for hockey and, and betting in Ontario and Canada in general. But, you know, predictive models and trying to figure out what's the best bet you know, should you have a, a parlay or even like the masters? I see so many people betting on Tiger, whether he, you know, if he's in it, if he makes the cut, misses the cut, et cetera. I think it's just a different layer. And there's a responsibility too, obviously with the, the sports book world, but data is like heavily coveted in that world. So I'm even more popular when it comes to, to sports betting and sports books than I am just in a, you know, league setting. Well, I am the pod father, but also the parlay father. So now that it's legal in the world of Canada, are you using these numbers at all to uh, make a few parlays or any bets? <laughs> well, I don't bet myself, but I definitely work behind the scenes in terms of understanding how data can be used to like grow the game essentially, right? Because there's first, obviously, what you can bet on, but then there's also content behind it. Um, and I think if you're just an average casual fan and you're going to a game, so you're going to the Rangers game, wouldn't you like to know what are the best bets, how many shots this player usually took, if he's been on a tear lately, how often he scores, maybe it's his rival, the you know Philadelphia Flyers that he knows very well and you feel more comfortable placing a small bet on that. I think there's so many things that both data and smart content with media can help to like expand hockey. Because I think in the NFL and football, that's a huge driving force, right? Like people just watch for their fantasy teams or the bets that they've made on games, whether it's who, you know, what color the Gatorade's on, how long the national anthem. There's so many different things you can add. 
And I see hockey kind of interesting that way too, because, you know, there are a lot of um, variables, right? Like players don't play the whole game. Uh, if you're playing your backup goalie, um, there's so many different, you know, parts of the game that I think if you understand the game and you're studying it and you're using some numbers, you can feel at least like you have a bit of an advantage and, and it can be fun to bet on. So just making that more accessible and more interesting to the average fan, I think is, is something that I'm working towards. And then also, obviously, some of these arenas are putting sports books right in their, right in their arena. But I think it'll become more and more normalized. And hopefully, the data side, the content side can make that fun, even if you're not interested in betting whatsoever. Could be part of the reason Hearts punched me in the chest because we live bet the Rangers when they were down money line. Oh, no. They tied the game <laughs> and we were going crazy. So uh, yeah, there you go. You were sprinkling on it during the game. Yeah, you know, 2 nothing. Rangers yeah. are much better. Time to get the good odds, plus 200, plus oh, 300. No. <laughs> and uh, still lost anyway. <laughs> I feel like I learned so much every time we have you on. So thanks again. And we'll have to have you on later, maybe next season. Absolutely. Nice to see everyone. Thanks again. That handsome son of a gun. Hockey Hall of Fame Rangers beat writer at the post, Larry Brooks. I, I think there's room for different styles. There's room for different resumes. Are you sick of me after spending three straight days in the car next to this face? <laughs> it was a rather pleasant experience, I have to say. Because you've been doing this, what, for over 40 years. It's an important part of the experience to understand the fabric of the team. Giving Henrik Lundqvist his nickname is, is one of the coolest things in my entire career. He blames or gives credit to you for that nickname. So there you go. <laughs> yeah, okay. Well, Lara, I'm in agreement with you. No. <laughs> <laughs> okay. It was great to get to know Brooksy, and he became part of my journey. You know, he was there every day. One year, the Islanders gave out bathrobes that uh, lasted for about a game. <laughs> you know, the guys were walking around in their bathrooms like, what, what is this? We're only seeing the tip of the iceberg. All right, can we ask Larry a, a, a yeah. hockey question? We... It's a two-part answer. <laughs> All right. <laughs> yes, welcome in the great Larry Brooks. You can follow Larry at NYP underscore Brooksy and read his stories at nypost.com in the physical copy of the paper and, of course, at Post Sports. Plus, Larry, the third defensive pairing has gotten a lot of attention as of late since it's been kind of a, a revolving door of Patrick Nemeth, Braden Schneider and Justin Braun. What have you seen from the combinations? And if you had to say, which pairing do you think would be the best to start with come game one of round one? That's an interesting question, because there's a reason the Rangers traded for Justin Braun. And one of the reasons is if not a primary reason, is that he has 100 games of NHL playoff experience. And so I think it's going to be difficult to sit him. I also think it's going to be very difficult to sit Braden Schneider, even though he's 20 years old. And I know that the coaching staff likes Patrick Nemeth a lot more than Ranger fans generally do. <laughs> um, so if they're going anywhere, they're going to need eight, 10 defensemen. You know, I mean, it's a long run. Players always get hurt. So... We're talking about a, you know, we're talking about an immediate issue. Who's going to play game one? The guy, you know, the pair who plays game one may be different for game two. I think there's, a, I think, you know, it's an 11 game audition now for, for these guys. Um, what surprised me was uh, 
uh, how well Braun played on the left side on Tuesday night in New Jersey. He is, he is a righty who has played the right side his entire career. You know, there may have been a few shifts here and there where he's played the left, but he has played his entire career on the right side. And so for him now to move to the left, I, I was surprised he was as, uh, um, as good as he was uh, against the Devils. And that's really what I think the coaching staff and, you know, needs to see. Can Justin Braun be a reliable player on the left side? It's, it's tough. You know, it's hard to play on your offside, certainly if you've played 12 years in the NHL and you're being asked to switch now. So it wouldn't surprise me if they go veterans in game one, but I think, I think Schneider can win a job here. I do. I, I, I think these last number of games uh, mean something. I, I, you know, they mean something as far as playoff seating, but I think even more importantly for the Rangers, they're going to mean something as far as players earning their spots and earning their ice time. And there's, there's, you know, up front, there is a significant competition for, for jobs. We know that. And there's significant competition now in the third pair and that only makes a team better. I mean, cause again, I, I've said it over and over. It's, it's, you know, it's not original with me, but if you're going to win anything, you you know, you need 27 players, 28 players, to get through. And right now the Rangers look like they're a pretty deep organization. Often you'll write about something that's on my mind and that's uh, Braden Schneider. We saw something in him with the big hit, then he gets in a fight. Was that something that was surprising to you? Is that something you've been waiting from him or you were really pretty much satisfied with the way he's been playing? I think it's interesting. I, I, I've certainly been satisfied with the way he's been playing, but I do think that his notices let, led you to believe that he was going to be a more physical player early. But I, but I think that he has focused on his positioning. He doesn't want to try and do too much. He's not running around like last night's hit. It came to him. He was right there. He didn't, you know, he didn't have to take himself out of the play to make the hit. And we, and then that's what we've seen from him. Uh, from him, he's very composed, poised, stays within himself. And I, and I think as a young player, he is building his game piece by piece as he as he goes through this season. He is, uh, you know, I, I I wrote that he's the most poised rookie defenseman they've had since. Well, Keandre Miller, who was last year. And, you know, Keandre Miller is the most poised rookie defenseman they had since, well, the year before, Adam Fox. And, and you know, you even want to talk about Ryan Lindgren, how poised, he, you know, how, how, how ready he seemed to be. It is rather remarkable, the blue line that they're building. You know, they, they have young guys who are going to be stars, who, you know, who are stars already in Adam Fox. Keandre Miller is going to be a star. It looks like Braden Schneider is going to be a star. Jacob Truba, you know, is a big time player. Lindgren was, you know, is for a young guy. Looks like he's been around for twelve years. Um, you know, they, they're building a pretty good blue line, and and you know, that's that's what Jeff Gordon left behind. You know, you know, you wanted, you know, there can be, you know, debate and and argument about, you know, what what Jeff accomplished in his time here, but we know that he left behind a stable of young defensemen and we haven't even mentioned Zach Jones who can't, you know, can't make it into the NHL because he's got all these young players ahead of him. So, you know, I, 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 I really like the way their defense looks and the way it's, it's shaping up. And their, their only question is going to be, 
are they going to be able to keep them all under the cap in, in two, three, four years? But, you know, I, I <laughs> we probably don't need to worry about two, three, four years from now. We can just, you know, worry about the next five minutes. What's your instant analysis of Igor Shostakhin and his last handful of games? Suddenly he's looking a little less superhuman and a lot has been made of that lately. So I'm just curious to hear your thoughts. He's given up more questionable goals in the last three weeks than he did in the first four or five months. There's no question about that. It looks to me, and, and I don't pretend to be a goaltending expert, but it does look to me like he's having a little bit of trouble tracking pucks now, which was one of his great assets. So he never seemed to be surprised by, by where a puck was coming from. Very few pucks just hit him. There were very few second chances. He was always in control. It seems to me like he's not picking up pucks quite as well. He's not reading plays quite as well. Maybe he's a little tired. Maybe it's it, maybe it's a function of playing behind a, a team that does give up a, a you know a fair number of scoring chances a game. I don't I don't know that it's a major concern, but I I because he's you know he's he's played some big time games in, in in this last stretch as well. He played a big time game in Pittsburgh. He played a big time game in Tampa. So it's not as if he's falling apart i think he's come down to earth a little bit you know the 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 historic save percentage is probably is gone you know he's not going to get into the 945 950 range which has never been done before i I think it's going to be interesting to see now i think chances are he'll probably split the remaining games with uh georgiev something like that i think the rangers are going to are going to want to give him as much rest as possible going into the playoffs and i also think He's going to need as much practice time as he can get, which it's very, very difficult to get practice time now. It is not fair to suggest that it's only because of Shesterkin, but Shesterkin put them in this position to be what they are right now. And so I expect him to fortify his game. I expect him to get his game together, and I expect him to be a dynamic force in the playoffs. Larry, one of the reasons why they are where they are is their power play. And for uh, for a fan that kind of just looks at their numbers, knowing that they're a good power play team, and when you go into the playoffs, that's a real weapon to have. If you were to best describe why they're so good or so successful as a power play unit, how would you best describe them? Well, I think they, they're multidimensional. I mean, I think they, they can they – can score in in a lot of different ways on the power play they have a lot of different weapons and they're very very smart players who move the puck pretty quickly i mean panarin you know and you know and 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 Kreider the other night Kreider after the the devil's game in new jersey talked about how you know nobody knows what art he's going to do nobody (laughs) knows what he's going to do with the puck and it's true he's you know i mean he's almost counterintuitive at times where he goes with the puck so you you have to defend almost the, I don't want to say indefensible because that's not the right word, but I don't, you know, the, the undefendable, whatever the word, you know, you have to try and, and, and defend Panarin when you have no idea what he's doing. And then of course you've got the Zibanejad one timer, you've got the Panarin one timer, you've got Kreider who has made uh net front presence and art form this year and Ryan Strom you know people like to say Ryan Strom well he's just one of the guys they can move him out you know he should be on the second unit you know let them move Lafreniere up let them you know move cop up Ryan Strom you know Ryan Strom shares you know instinctive 
abilities with these other guys. They've been together. The four forwards have been together now for, I think, about two and a half years. And, you know, first it was D'Angelo on the point and, and replaced by Fox. So this has been a unit now for two years, and they think alike. They move alike. And, and again, they, they just have, they have a lot of diverse weapons on it. Um, it's a tough power play to defend. But what will be interesting as they move into the playoffs when you're in a series, they are going to have to respond to what the penalty kill does against them. And again, I think because they're intelligent players, very intelligent players, that is an advantage too for them because when their opponent adapts to them, they will adapt to their opponent and force their opponent to get out of their comfort zone too. So yeah, you know, when they're going, when that power play is going, it's like, you know, bing, bang, you know, three, four passes, 22 seconds, pucks in the net and, and they're off the ice. So it's, um, you know, it's been fun to watch. I totally agree, Larry. I can't remember the last time that the Rangers power play came on and I didn't honestly expect them to score immediately, yeah, which I don't yeah. think is something people have been able to say for quite a few seasons. But uh, thanks so much for your time, Larry. And we'll chat again sure. next week. Sure. Sounds good. I hope on off nights you were pounding brews with 27-year-old Barry <laughs> Trotz back then. All right, Ron, that wraps up episode 83 of Up in the Blue Seats, our Rangers podcast from the New York Post. You know, that was a really good show, Jake. Andrew Hartz, that was a really good show. I enjoyed that. You know, some like or dislike analytics. I like talking analytics because it does make a difference. At the end of the day, when they're right, uh, it makes a difference. And I think the league has improved because of it. There are coaches that will look at the big pictures, but there are also coaches that combine the big pictures with small details. So she gives us good insight, especially for you, Jake, talking about gambling. How can you use that when you're betting? Yeah, no, that was very informative. And uh, I like how you said, my friend Sarah has a question and it's not Sarah McCrory, your old uh, associate producer. It's another Sarah. And is she a better? Is she into, is she making parlays on a Wednesday night? Absolutely not. She's not, but that's what came out of her mouth. It wasn't a hockey thing. It was right away because that's how she thinks. How can I get an advantage on something? Maybe because she's political. I don't know. But she said, can you use that for your gambling? You're leaving Alaska. You're going to NASCAR in California. And you are leading the charge on this trip to Cali. I am. Yeah, my kids are in California. My son's birthday is Friday or Saturday. So I'm going to go to a NASCAR race. It'll be my second. It's a lot of noise, but I enjoy it. It's something different. Yeah, do you wear earplugs? Because it gets loud. And I haven't been, but I hear people got to wear earplugs, right? Uh, depends how close you are if you're by the pit yes you want to wear them but if you're a little bit further up you want to be further up and up high which that's the you know i'll sit in a nice suite we're up high where you can actually see them going around in the circle 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 and yeah you wear you wear them if you're outside all right well enjoy your trip to california we completely forgot this week about andrew hearts on the drum so hearts you're gonna have to uh, bring hearts beats is what we'll call it next week, Led Zeppelin. Will you have that ready for us? Oh, yeah. I've already got some ideas. And, Ronnie, it's going to be testing how good you are with the start of songs that are started by drum beats. So we're going to test your knowledge uh, next week and see how you do. Do us a favor. Give us a five-star rating. Write in a nice review on Apple Podcasts. You can also give us a five-star rating on Spotify. Follow us wherever you get podcasts. At Ron Duguay 10, at Molly Walker, at Jake Brown. Radio for number 10, Ron Duguay, Molly Walker. Andrew Hartz, I'm Jake Brown. We will return next Thursday. The Rangers play Wednesday night. So you'll get us Thursday afternoon next week. Enjoy the next week of Ranger games and baseball season as well coming up. Listen to Amazing But True as well. Thanks for listening to Up in the Blue Seats.
think I could probably wake up in the middle of the night, and if you handed me the two rosters, I could probably call a hockey game. 